A hearty hello and welcome to you. This is the Bar Southeast Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Blevins. Carolina Hurricanes wrapped up back-to-back days playing games, taking on the Buffalo Sabres at home in the first meeting between the two teams this season. Carolina opened up the scoring when Michael Furland shot a puck off of starter Carter Hutton's glove, off the top of the net, and then off of Marco Scandella to give Carolina a 1-0 lead. However, former Hurricane Jeff Skinner, in his return to PNC Arena, would tie things up 19-39 into the first period on a power play goal, sending us to the first intermission tied at one. The Hurricanes would surge in the second period, though. Justin Williams would unknot the game, only to be answered 30 seconds later by Jason Pominville. But a resilient Hurricanes squad stayed true to form with their offense. Sebastian Ajo tallied back-to-back goals at 5:42 and 12:27 into the second period to make it 4-2 Carolina. The Sabres would edge their way back into the contest late in the third period when Kyle Ocposo scored on an awkward deflection in front of Curtis McElhaney. But the Hurricanes defense held strong in the final minutes, securing the victory for Carolina 4-3. What a hockey game for the Carolina Hurricanes, and what a way to respond to what, by all accounts, was a bitter pill to swallow last night, losing to Tampa Bay in the third period by a final count of 3-1. to one. It's just one of those games that the Hurricanes dig deep and find a way to win this hockey game. And we're going to talk about a couple of keys to this game, and including something that is becoming a rarity in the game in its current form in the 21st century, but something uh, nonetheless that is incredibly important. And a lot of fun to watch, to be quite honest with you. Trivia question for you as always, and this is one that some of you might know and, and some of you might not, and that is this. The Carolina Hurricanes faced off against the Buffalo Sabres in the 2006 Eastern Conference Finals. Which team did the Carolina Hurricanes host in the opening of the next campaign to raise their Stanley Cup banner? Carolina Hurricanes 2005-2006 Stanley Cup champion. Which team was in the building on opening night of the following season after winning the Stanley Cup to watch the Carolina Hurricanes raise their championship banner? Answer coming up for you at the end of the program. Some of you... Uh, might know it already. Not one of the more difficult trivia questions we've had on here, but certainly there will be some more challenging ones on the way. I just think it's going to be best to follow this game chronologically because to tell the story of this accurately and appropriately, you really do have to ride the roller coaster of events that took place. I thought Carolina looked better off the jump initially and then lulled. And... There were spurts in that first period for Carolina that at moments you wondered, did the Tampa Bay game take so much out of this team that it was going to be kind of a clunker tonight? There were a couple of opportunities to shoot the puck in the beginning. Carolina had their offense out of rhythm. Carter Hutton, I didn't think, played a stellar game by any stretch of the means, 
But nonetheless, the Hurricanes had a couple of opportunities within the first three minutes to challenge him and test him, and the pucks weren't getting on net. He never had to make the big save. And other than that, a couple of times, Sabre forwards were getting back behind the Carolina defense in a concerning manner. Uh, Tavo Cheravinen got beat twice on the same shift about four minutes into the game, and that was after he took a knock in the uh, offensive zone in one of the corner boards. You know, and those are the signs that you try not to read too much into in the beginning of a hockey game, but just knowing what had happened last month with this Hurricanes team compared to what's happened this month, you still have those shadows and recollections in the back of your mind, and all of a sudden momentum shifts rather rapidly halfway through the period when Michael Furlan scores. And first of all, good for Michael Furlan because this is the guy that you want to score. And it's fairly certain at this point he's not coming back. And it's a travesty, quite honest with you, because he's been one of the most electric players for this hockey team so far this season. If he plays at a rate like he was prior to his injury and gets back into true form, the ownership is going to be held liable by the fan base to make an effort to put 79 back in red and black next year. That's a critical goal because of who scored it. But also, let's just take a moment to dissect the happening of that. And I'm so happy that John Forsland got the opportunity to use his phrase pinball wizard on the television broadcast tonight because, let's face it, it's one of the best phrases in play-by-play in the game of hockey. Furlan shoots that puck. This is no type of challenging shot for a goaltender. It ricochets off of Carter Hutton's glove, and then it does something that I don't know if I've ever seen happen live in a game. If you all know where the crossbar is, the red crossbar, the outer framing of the net, then you will know that directly behind of it there is a bar made out of the same metal, and occasionally it's padded, that is white. And it hit that back bar, bounced back into the gold crease, and unfortunately for Marco Scandella, it ricocheted off of him and into the back of the net. And the overhead replay is mesmerizing to go, well, how in the world did that go in? Just a series of unfortunate events for the Buffalo Sabres ultimately works to the good for Carolina, and they draw first blood in this hockey game. That's a good sign for the Hurricanes, but leading down the stretch in this game, they didn't take advantage of it fully. And that was problematic. Buffalo was out shooting them for a majority of that first period, and Carolina always felt like they were a step behind. And then you take the penalty late in the first period, and I remember thinking to myself, and quite vividly thinking out loud to myself, well, um, you know, they're going to have a minute and 30 seconds, essentially on fresh ice. And that was Sekou Manalainen for tripping, um, who took that penalty. And you're like, well, okay, you're going to get out of this period. You're going to be up one nothing, and you're going to have to kill off a penalty on fresh ice. And the Sabres had 
No plans of that whatsoever. Jeff Skinner's the guy who scores the goal. He bats a rebound over top of Curtis McElhaney. Nothing that the Kane starter could do about that. And in a way, it's bittersweet because, yes, you do want to see Jeff Skinner do well. He meant so much to this organization. He's the only one to have ever worn uh, the Carolina Hurricanes emblem on his sweater that's won a Calder Trophy and did so in what, by all accounts, is one of the most magnificent individual seasons in franchise history. Fan favorite, well-liked, drafted by this organization. And this was home for him for quite some time. And when the new ownership came in, it was new direction time. And Jeff Skinner was one of those players that they opted to depart with rather rapidly. And you see, obviously, there's gas still left in the tank because after that tally, Jeff Skinner now has 30 goals this season and was just recently named to the NHL All-Star team in San Jose. But for what it meant to this hockey game, that's a goal that you did not want to give up because that took the edge and momentum that you would have had being the one-goal lead and completely dismantled it. But then the guys took over. And this is a theme for me, and this is an important theme because for the first time in a while, the guys that you expect to step up and play big in big moments were the guys who made the difference tonight. And I've got to tip my cap to the captain, Justin Williams, for what he's done on this streak of winning six out of the last seven games. He's on a six-game point streak. He is playing with a newfound confidence. He's leading by example. And what was beautiful about the way he scored this goal is he got the puck with minimal space, found a way to get around his defender, and then elevates the puck on Carter Hutton. And from an individual standpoint, you aren't going to see anything better. And he's over 35 years old. That's a guy who just danced around a, a fairly solid Buffalo defender. Dipsy doodles right around him and finishes the play. And I don't care what level of hockey you play, NHL to Pee Wee. It's a thing of beauty what Justin Williams did. And when your captain is playing like that, it rubs off on the rest of the bench. Now, unfortunately, and this is the one that stung initially, Jason Pominville ties the game up 30 seconds later. And it doesn't prove to be a big deal in the grand scheme of things, but it could have been. I have not harped on Curtis McElhaney too terribly much, other than he has been a brilliant goaltender for the Hurricanes in a spot where they needed to have a brilliant goaltender. That's one you you might want him to have. And it's a tough play. It's a tough play where all momentum is going one way. Jason Pominville, who has not scored a goal in 19 games, gets the puck. And it looked like he got solid wood on it. It, it wasn't a laser beam. And it just kind of whistles right by the glove side ear hole of Curtis McElhaney. And it's one of those awkward goals. And the reason you want... McElhaney to have that is because it's in a position that's well within his range to catch that puck. It is. And I can tell you from a goaltender point of view, 
there, there's about a puck size gap right next to your ear hole when you're reaching up with all that equipment that it's hard to catch the puck right there. And Pominville found it. Buffalo ties the game. And after that, I thought McElhaney settled a little bit more because he didn't have excellent rebound control in the first period. And after that goal went in, he buckled down and played the brand of Curtis McElhaney hockey that Hurricane fans have been accustomed to seeing. And it's been wonderful. It's been marvelous. And we'll talk a little bit more about the goaltenders at the end of the show. So tied at two. The Hurricanes don't opt to settle. And Sebastian Ajo goes driving. He scores on an assist from Michael Furland. And then he scores again later in the period. And that's the critical thing. We're not talking Greg McKegg. We're not talking Sekou Menelainen, Clark Bishop. We're not, tar- uh, excuse me, we're not talking any of those guys. We're talking Sebastian Ajo, NHL All-Star Sebastian Ajo, that carries the team and scores the final two goals for the Hurricanes tonight. When you look at the guys who contribute this evening, it's been Furland, 13 goals on the season, Williams with 12, and Ajo with 17 and 18. How do you not appreciate the fact that the guys that you are paying the money to that are the ones that have jerseys scattered throughout the crowded PNC arena, that those are the guys that came to play tonight? In a critical matchup, this is one that is nice to have. This isn't a Buffalo Sabres team that is going to go win the Stanley Cup this year. They're not. They're clinging to a wild card spot at best. And there's a non-zero chance they could lose it, to be completely frank with you. Because when you go back and watch how Buffalo even got into this position, which was a 10-game win streak, seven of those 10 wins were non-regulation victories. We're talking overtimes and shootouts. And we all know how fragile that is in this league. And the Hurricanes took the game to Buffalo tonight. It's an unfortunate circumstance that Kyle Ocposo adds one more Awkward Karen out in front. It looked like Menelainen might have had it ricochet off of him at some point in the sequence. Okposo puts it by McElhaney. But that was after McElhaney had made some critical saves and some critical moments down the stretch in the second period, down the stretch in the third period. And he was good again tonight. He was solid. And you tip your cap to big 3-5. And this has been a diamond in the rough find for Carolina. And what's better, in my mind, is the fact that he scores just shy to the three-minute-to-go mark in the third period, and the Canes got to buckle down and batten down the hatches. And for all intents and purposes, they did. The closest chance they had to scoring an empty net goal ended up going about a foot and a half wide and was shot from all the way down at the far goal line. They played that sequence out defensively and did it marvelously. There was never any real chance for Buffalo to get into a scoring position. And Coach Vellucci over there with Buffalo is not pleased with the effort, but that's of no consequence for the Hurricanes. What Carolina did tonight was they went out and they took the game to Buffalo and they found a way to win, despite what was, by all accounts, not the best start in the world. If you want to look at how you want to play back-to-back games on back-to-back nights, This is how you want to build it. 
it's okay if you don't have the world's greatest start, but if you can have legs in the third period and legs in the second period and have moments where you're dominating the play and the pace of it, you're going to be just fine. And that's what great NHL teams are doing. It is a masterful composition of conservation of effort tonight for the Carolina Hurricanes, and it equals two standings points. Let's go ahead and take a look at some of the statistics for this game. Buffalo surprisingly still outshot Carolina 33-30 by a fairly slim margin. Carolina was better in the faceoff circle, 52% to 48. Uh, the thing that does sting a little is another power play goal does go in for Buffalo. So if you look back in the annals of Carolina Hurricanes history, that's three straight penalties dating back to the Tampa Bay game that result in goals going in the back of the net that's going to be something you want to solve. And just based on, you know, probability factors, it's going to happen like that occasionally. The penalty kill is not a major point of concern, but you would have liked to have killed that one off. It's it's at a time in the game, and that power play goal goes in at a time where it could have been a backbreaker, even though it happened only in the first period, and the Hurricanes responded well to it. Canes go over 2 on the power play tonight. This is the stat that... I love. And this is the stat that every Carolina Hurricanes fan needs to look at a couple of defensemen and go, okay, so we're we're gonna we're gonna fight for this wild card. We're gonna fight for the opportunity to get in the playoffs. Carolina out hit Buffalo tonight 38 to 18. 38 to 18. Buffalo was knocked around. Time and time again, the Hurricanes were content to go out, bang bodies, grind it out, and that is great hockey. In a building tonight that was pretty close to capacity full, one of the better crowds by far this season, the Hurricanes responded to it. And that's how you energize a crowd. And that physical statistic brings me to a point in the game that I thought might have helped Carolina get over the edge and give them a little bit of momentum going into the third period. And that was the fact that Justin Falk was willing to take the gamble and go after Johan Larson. Johan Larson isn't the biggest guy in the world, barely over 200 pounds. Justin Falk isn't really a fighter, but he'll stand up for his team. Larson came in and laid a hit in the open ice that was very close to being dangerous and very close to being highly illegal and was one that, when you look back at the replay, if you've watched this game for any amount of time or even you just watch this hit and the way it occurred, it's questionable at best. Larson comes in a little bit high with the hands and shoulders and makes impact around the top of the shoulders, neck and head area of the Carolina player, and then he comes close to banging knee on knee as well. Justin Falk, late in the second period, takes exception to that, goes after him. Those two guys drop the gloves and go at it in what is as close to a good old-fashioned hockey fight as you'll see in this day and age in the game. And you've got to applaud Justin Falk for being the guy. He's not going to factor into the score sheet this evening with a goal or an assist, but that play galvanizes an NHL bench. And for Justin Falk to be the guy to do it, this this is the defenseman that the Hurricanes 
are are looking um, to keep right now, at least ostensibly. You know, there have been trade rumors circling around Dougie Hamilton. There was rumors in the offseason about is Justin Falk the guy that gets moved over Jeff Skinner. There's a reason Justin Falk is still playing for the Carolina Hurricanes, and he has been a brilliant defensive defenseman this year. But moreover than that, um, he dropped the gloves against Ryan Getzloff uh, against Anaheim, and then he does it again tonight in a critical situation that keeps the crowd engaged in it, keeps everybody involved, and he won the fight. And sometimes that's just what you need to keep the momentum going in your favor. And it's, it's well done on his part. Both teams block 11 shots. The Hurricanes still a little bit sloppy with the puck. They have 17 giveaways compared to Buffalo's 7. Good effort tonight by the Carolina Hurricanes, and obviously it pays dividends. However, I want to step outside for, for a second, and I want to talk about something that's near and dear to my heart. And John Forslund touched on it a little bit in the aftermath with Alec Campbell on 99.9 The Fan, and that is the crowd. I grew up going to Carolina Hurricanes games at the dawn of the team coming from Hartford to Carolina. I vaguely remember going to Greensboro to see games when I was exceedingly young. And I most certainly remember when PNC Arena was called the Raleigh Entertainment and Sports Arena. I remember when it was RBC Center and now, of course, PNC Arena. And... Um, it has struck me that ever since this team has struggled and failed to make the playoffs for nine seasons, that the clientele and the crowd and fan base seems to have dwindled. And it shows especially when you go into your home building and if you're playing teams from the North, New York, New Jersey, the other team out of New York, Pittsburgh, Washington brought a good crowd, or you're playing a popular NHL team, Boston, um, teams, teams of that caliber, Philadelphia, their fans are more than happy to scoop up these empty tickets and fill seats. And it's demoralizing when there is a significant cheer that arises from the Buffalo crowd every time the Sabres score. Granted, it wasn't very much. But that's a tough thing to swallow. Not only for a fan sitting anywhere close to a Buffalo fan, and all you have to do is just flip back a few years in your history to the 2006 Eastern Conference Final and... Pick any fan who was there supporting the Hurricanes, and I'm guaranteeing you they have a story, a scar, or worse, that reminds them of the Buffalo Sabres fan base. That was a tough pill to swallow tonight. But, while we've had problems with that in the past at PNC Arena, I must say, Things seem to be on the uptick. And I encourage you, if you have not bought a ticket to go see the Carolina Hurricanes, go fill the seat as a proud resident of the state of North Carolina, if nothing else. 
because it's tough that this is the building road fans feel that they can come into. And you look at other buildings like this in the NHL that road fans, if there are any in the area, feel like they can invade. Sunrise, Florida. The Florida Panthers. Perfect example. The Coyotes out there in the desert. Another perfect example. Road fans will flock to those places with cheap tickets, and especially if you're in the southeastern United States, there are so many people who come from the northern part of the country that move down here because they love it. And yes, I will tell you as a native North Carolinian, this is a wonderful place to live, and it's great. But you want to cultivate that home atmosphere. And while no, we're well beyond the days of the Forum, the original Madison Square Garden, Maple Leaf Gardens, while we are beyond those days, these are beautiful facilities. And they are still the home of your favorite NHL team. And when it comes to the Carolina Hurricanes, what at one point was a crisis of confidence with getting the fan base to the arena has changed a little bit. Now tickets are being sold. But the support for the team isn't always there because of how many road fans are coming in to PNC Arena. So I highly encourage you, go get a ticket, and you will be entertained. The other caveat to that, though, is it does build atmosphere. It puts pressure on those players to perform. That could have very well pushed Carolina a little bit tonight as well, especially to get that first goal, I think. When you go out and you see that the seats are filled, you feel a little bit of good pressure to to go out there and perform. Hurricanes capitalize on it tonight. Let's go ahead and visit the upcoming schedule for the Carolina Hurricanes. Sunday is a game that I honestly believe is going to be a major litmus test for just how competitive the Hurricanes are going to be able to be. And I like, I really like the adage that I've heard going around communities within the organization and just uh, very closely related to the organization, it doesn't matter who you're playing at this point. The Hurricanes draw within five points of the wild card with their win tonight. They're going to get the day off tomorrow, and Saturdays are busy days in the NHL, and the Hurricanes have to do a little bit of television watching and preparing for the Nashville Predators to come in on Sunday. This is why that's big. While, yes, the Hurricanes are sitting better than they were when they came into this game by virtue of grabbing the two points, when you face off against Nashville at 12.30 on Sunday, you could be five points behind, you could be six points behind, you could be back to square one and be seven points behind, which is where you started the evening tonight. That's the harsh reality and how difficult it is to chip away at deficits when you are over the hump of the halfway mark. This is a Nashville team that's playing a good brand of hockey right now. They're clicking on all cylinders. They're well beyond the playoff hunt. They're they're going to be in in their division. And it's a good hockey team that's built well in all three levels. The Hurricanes are going to have to compete with that. I think Buffalo has its own individual sets of weaknesses, including youthfulness. It's a very similar style and very similar issue to what the Carolina Hurricanes have on their plate. The Hurricanes exploited that tonight. That's something Nashville's not going to struggle with. 
This is a team that has made the Stanley Cup final and came that close to getting a major sports championship to the city of Nashville, and it didn't happen against the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's going to be a tough one. Madison Square Garden against King Henry and the New York Rangers. That comes up on Tuesday the 15th. This is one that breaks up three home games before you head into the All-Star break. It's one you'd like to have because the Rangers aren't necessarily the greatest team in the NHL right now. And this is new for them. They've got a lot of new pieces in. Guys are stepping up. They're trying to make a name for themselves. They're struggling. They're fighting. They're digging. And they're not quite there yet. That's one that you want to win. And then the Ottawa Senators roll into town next Friday. And Ottawa has been the brunt of every joke in the National Hockey League this year. Because the Senators are bad. And that's putting it nicely. They have been an atrocity of a team so far. Those are games that when they fall in sequences like this and they go plop in your lap, you've got to capitalize on them. That's one that you expect to have. You've got to go out there and you've got to command it and you've got to go out there and you've got to take it. Plain and simple as that. But what's staring you straight in the face is that Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday stretch of the week following the 20th, 22nd, and 23rd at Edmonton, at Calgary, at Vancouver. Now, Edmonton and Vancouver are going to be right on par matching up with Carolina. The Calgary Flames are playing an inspired brand of hockey right now. They've got pieces, and it's going to be one of those games you want Michael Furland to step up in, you want Dougie Hamilton to step up in because they're playing against their former team, but the Hurricanes are going against their former coach, Noah Hannafin and Elias Lindholm get to go up against their former team. That will be a fun one from the Saddle Dome in Calgary. And the other thing is, this is another one of those Western Conference road swings that nobody likes to talk about. It is not a great time whenever you've got to go across the coast. And it's something that teams like Detroit, St. Louis... Dallas, teams like that don't necessarily have to go through that part of the grueling travel. And yes, you're still flipping time zones fairly quickly. You're playing later than you're used to. And that's hard in its own right. But at this point in the season, circumstances don't matter. The only thing that matters is you've got to, one game at a time, Find a way to secure standings points. And the magic number seems to be anywhere between 95 points and 100 points. Um, I Arbitrarily, I think 97 is probably going to be good enough to get into the playoffs this year based on what I've seen. And I, I might be slightly low on that. But when you're looking at falling in that 95 to 100 point range, the Hurricanes are going to need to average 7 points in any individual five-game stretch. It's a tough ask, but if you listen to last night's show, it's exactly what we were talking about. Is, yeah, you want to have the three games at home that you play, you get started on the right foot tonight by beating Buffalo, and then you want to have two of those road games, and it'd be, it'd be wonderful, brilliant, if you could take three of them. Especially considering what kind of effort it's going to take out on the West Coast. 
Lots of exciting things coming up for Carolina, including a big marquee matchup on Sunday against the Nashville Predators. And Sebastian Ajo will be heading to the NHL All-Star Game after the Hurricanes take on the Vancouver Canucks on Wednesday, January 23rd. Lots of exciting things coming up. Answer the trivia question for you tonight. The Carolina Hurricanes raised the 2005-2006 Stanley Cup banner against the Buffalo Sabres. And this is an infamous game for many reasons. Of course, this is naturally a tongue-in-cheek punch in the face to Buffalo, who came within two goals of going to the Stanley Cup Final against the Edmonton Oilers and trying to secure a championship for the much maligned city of Buffalo. However, the Hurricanes raised the banner. But it was also the night the Buffalo Sabres debuted one of the worst jerseys in NHL history, the Banana Slug jersey. The Buffalo Sabre that was bright yellow in the shape of a running bison. It was not a good look. And the Sabres quickly reverted to their old logo, um, which is a modernized incarnation of their original logo with the buffalo and the cross swords inside the circle roundel. So a little bit of hockey history for you this evening, but the Hurricanes did raise the banner against the Buffalo Sabres. Canes take the victory tonight over Buffalo by a final count of 4-3. to three. We'll be back on air Sunday after the Hurricanes tangle with the Nashville Predators. Until then, this has been the Bar Southeast Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Blevins. Hope you enjoy it.